huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. On a sad day in 2011, IBM's Watson computer beat Jeopardy mega champion Ken Jennings, and that was really the signal of a shift in computing, and a shift to computers who can think more and more like humans and process huge and huge amounts of information near instantly. Today, I'm talking with Zach Walchuk, developer evangelist at IBM Watson, to talk about how computers are learning a lot more like humans. I'm Kit Bodner, and this is The Growth Show. Zach, when we think about artificial intelligence, machine learning, it has, it has lots of different names. What's, what's the problem we're actually trying to solve with this technology in general? In general, what we're trying to do is be able to get some degree of replication of how humans think about things and problem solve and put that into a machine system uh, or a, a digital type system so that we can then scale human type understanding uh, in a way that we can then automate and make it easier for us to integrate you know, the digital world with the real world. You know, there, I'm sure there's some humans out there being like, hey, why don't we just let humans do that? Like, why, why, are, compu- why are computers better served for some of these things? Yeah, I mean, the, what we've found is, you know, uh, the best thing is for computers to be working with people mm-hmm. because a lot of times computers can pick up on things that people might not see. Uh, for instance, you know, we see a lot of use cases now for artificial intelligence in the healthcare realm where we can actually look through massive amounts of whether it's images or healthcare records and pick up on patterns or signals or signs of disease that we might not be able to see. Otherwise, uh, just one human alone cannot look at all the data that a computer could look at. So by using these computers to help us, we can better look at uh, the insights that are available and we can take the efforts of one person and scale it and make that one person a whole lot more powerful. So you mentioned the healthcare side of things. For people out there and thinking about this new technology, what are, what are other use cases where you really want this type of technology and scale? And like how, where, uh, What are the ways you guys are using it? Every industry is starting to find some use for artificial intelligence and these types of solutions. Uh, the finance industry is one, being able to keep up on the latest news, being alerted to you know what's going on in the world and being trying to understand how that news relates to different financial indicators. Uh, that's certainly a big area. There's a lot of information that is changing very quickly. So having a computer system to help you keep up with that is uh, very important. Make sure you're staying in compliance. Uh, we also see this type of technology is heavily used in anything that is um, consumer facing these days. So, for instance, you know, talking about uh, Netflix or Facebook, any of these things that these applications that consumers are using, there's so much content out there right now that we need some type of intelligence to help us better decide what content uh, is going to be most relevant to us. And that's where some of these machine learning algorithms, some of this artificial intelligence can really 
help out in, in this kind of a content recommendation. Um, so both on the consumer facing side, but also maybe even more, you know, on the enterprise side, you have so much data, you have uh, emails that you might have access to, you have, you know, company documents that you have access to. How do you organize these in a logical way and how do you find them quickly and make sure you're finding the most relevant documents when you need them? Those are all problems that artificial intelligence can help to solve. Cool. Okay. We're trying to have a machine learn a lot like a human, right? And so with that, I, the natural question comes to me is like, what happens when it learns bad things, right? Like it's going to learn <laughs> things by mistake or learn things that we don't want it to learn. Like, how do you, how do you handle that? Like, how do, what's, what impact does that have on it? Yeah, it's, it's one of the big challenges of uh, these types of systems that are depending on content to train them is uh, what's the quality of the content you're sending it. So there's, there's a big piece of this that is making sure you have good quality training data. And there's a number of different ways that can be done. You know, for some applications, like healthcare is a great one where you make sure that all the content you're sending in is actually going to be good content because the results that you get out are going to be uh, very important that they're right. But then there are other applications where it makes sense to just kind of let the system learn on a wide variety of content. You know, we have some systems that can learn just on billions and billions of web pages or some systems that can learn on Twitter. And what, what you have to make sure you're doing is you are properly setting up the system to get the insights you want from it and, and not letting one or two bad examples or even multiple bad examples skew it towards uh, learning improperly. So it really is about you know making sure you have access to good content and you know how to properly structure that for training the system. Got it. Okay. We've talked a little bit about the applications of AI, how it actually works, how you know you would do something like Watson, uh, and even how you train it. I guess my my next thing is if you're somebody listening, if you're you know a business owner, an executive, a leader how would you go about thinking about how you would want to apply this technology? How would you evaluate what type of problems were best solved by this type of technology? I think there's a lot to be said in, in terms of, you know, first starting out looking at what other people are doing to get an idea of what's possible. Um, being able to understand the technologies that are available because as much as we'd like to think so, we can't solve every problem right away, mm -hmm. but there are some problems we are very good at solving. Um, so looking at some of the the companies that you know may already be using these artificial intelligence solutions and then just expanding from there based on, on your knowledge once you begin to understand the, the patterns behind what these artificial intelligence systems are good at, uh, that's really gonna help you narrow in. Uh, but what I always tell people, the best way to really understand how to apply these artificial intelligence solutions is going to be trying it on your own. You know. If you're a developer, you know, building your own programs. If you're not a developer, maybe pairing up with um, people who understand how to integrate these technologies into your systems. You could do something like like a hackathon where everyone's building projects just to get an idea of how the technology works. And from there, once you start to understand how it works, then you'll begin to see in all sorts of business problems potential solutions that could be solved. Uh, that could be brought to you by our artificial intelligence. Uh, so what we have available with Watson, we actually, uh, we have some of our products where you work very closely, you know, with the Watson group, uh, whether you're a, uh, a large company or a startup, uh, 
this product, we actually have some of our engineers helping you make sure you have all the right data and that type of thing. But where we're really going is making this type of technology available to all developers. Uh, so we have something called the Watson Developer Cloud, which is actually a whole suite of APIs that expose a lot of our technology. And with those APIs, you can just sign up and use one of these services and play around with it and just get an idea on your own for what can this technology do. You're talking about basically anybody can get started with the API and cost based on usage. But it seems like to me, from what you've told me about uh, kind of how machine learning works so far, there's also just a benefit to you all in that the more developers who are using the API, it's, it's more opportunities for Watson and your code base to learn and to pick up new skills and learn new things. Is that, am I, am I getting that right? Is there incentives there for you guys too to open it up? There are some of our services that will take a uh, user input and learn from that. Uh, any of those services that do that, we, we make sure it's very clear uh, oh, in sure. the documentation. Uh, actually, a lot of our services, um, we allow you to train them uh, with your own examples. And then it, it's you, actually, who's making it smarter actively as you go along. You're training that system to make it better. Uh, with some of our services, they're pre-trained. And we really want to make sure that no one user or company uh, can actually change the results of the system too quickly. How do you do so that? Really, that seems like that'd be really hard. Well, the, the way the system works is we have a system that is trained already. It's trained on massive amounts of documents. And then if people are calling this system and trying to get results from it, it doesn't automatically do anything new to train the system. Uh, we can take that user input and then if we want, you know, feed it into the system as we feel appropriate. But we're not actually, as you're, you know, using a Watson service, it's not going to be changing based on the things that you do, you know, that day to use that service. We may make improvements in the future based on your results. Uh, but if you are actually building with the system and, and you are using one of our services, you have the opportunity to continuously be retraining and improving based on the input you get from your users or based on new knowledge that you might have. Other than making improvements on them, they won't change too rapidly. It's, uh, it's amazing all the different variables that you have to take into consideration when a machine becomes so much more you know, like yeah. a human. You know? it's, uh, it's, it's really, really fascinating. So how, how do people feel about this? So your average your average business owner, your average client, are they receptive to this type of technology? Like, are we as a society ready for uh, machines doing more and more of the tasks and roles that I think traditionally people have done, even if people have done it arguably less efficiently, you know? For the most part, I've seen, you know, the reaction to this ha has been great. People understand that what we're doing here is just making us work better. Uh, it doesn't replace what people are already doing. Um, if anything, it allows people to do better things in their job because all the the basic drudgery type stuff is taken care of by by the system. It also seems like you know there's efficiency, but a lot of it's velocity. When you think about like the classic example of you know winning Jeopardy or a lot of the medical problems that you talked about earlier in the show, 
it's you know a human could do that, but it's just a machine with this type of knowledge can just do it way faster. Uh, I mean, where we see it the most, um, I, I think the Jeopardy is a perfect example uh, because Jeopardy is all about unearthing knowledge and presenting knowledge. So what we're seeing with these systems, the best thing that they can do is they can very quickly get you the most relevant information over massive amounts of documents, over large data sets. They can provide that uh, the most relevant information to you so that you can then make your decision based on that information at the critical moment. But imagine, you know, a doctor who is putting in symptoms for his patient and uh, trying to understand what's going on, they're going to want a very quick look into what are the possible uh, diseases that the, this patient might have or what are some of the conditions that might be present here. And they're not going to have time necessarily to go through all the medical research, talk to other hospitals, talk to other docs doctors see what they've seen but a system like this that can automatically look over that full scale of possibilities and give them very quickly a suggestion to consider you know that that's really powerful and that's really something that can save lives you know in certain instances you know kind of the follow-up to that you know we're talking about technology in terms of how it can return information to us there's also part of this is kind of how we get information to it. You know, I think there's a rise of different things like Amazon Echo and different things where it's using basic kind of what's called natural language processing for folks that are listening where it can interpret the intent of what we're saying, for example. And so how important is that? How important is like the its ability to take our raw inputs and kind of translate them in this whole thing? Uh, that, that's hugely important. And that's really, you know, the focus of pretty much everything we do is, you know, we talk about it a lot. We're taking these unstructured data and putting some structure to it. So natural language processing is at the core of most of the services that Watson provides. It's this understanding uh, of words, of sentences, of how words relate to each other. You know, th this idea that there's a whole knowledge graph behind how all the different words fit that type of understanding is really at the core of what we're doing. Um, so it started with language. You know, we can do, we can understand text, uh, but we can also take audio of you talking and translate that to text and then further understand it. Uh, but now we can also do the same for images too. So we, we can take pictures and understand what's in pictures, understand, you know, the, the faces in pictures, understand if it's a dog or a cat, if there's any text in that picture, what, what does that say? Uh, this whole idea of being able to take the things that would otherwise be hard for a computer to understand and break it down into these, you know, quantifiable chunks so that we can then do better analysis with it. That's really the power behind this type of technology. So we're going to be having some new products here uh, in the near future that are going to allow people to be much more industry specific, much more domain specific uh, with, with the types of problems they're solving and with our understanding of the language. The trick is all about how do we easily incorporate a data source into our system to learn. Uh, and there's some really neat things being done by our research team to solve that and not only make it possible, but make it easy for anyone to use uh, developers. And, you know, in the future, you know, uh, you might not even need to have any developer experience. You could just use a tool that will help you better understand your data. That's it seems like that's really where the magic happens here and where so much stuff gets unlocked. Man, it's fascinating where this is all going to go. 
Zach, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us on the episode today. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. 